Uh, please turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. Uh, we are talking about disciplining children uh, this morning, and um, as we, I, I was re- reminded last week, uh, as I was going through the list, one of my favorite uh, parenting styles that uh, I was I was talking about at the beginning of my message last week was the behavior modification parent. Uh, those of us as parents that we want our kids to act right, um, we want them to, when we snap our fingers, that they would rise to attention. When we give orders, that they would fill them out uh, to the T. And uh, I always think of that and I think uh, that is something that we desire. We love to see that in our children. And yet, uh, is that truly what God wants us to do? Is that the model that He relates to us as He is our Heavenly Father? Um, and this morning, uh, I think we'll be challenged with that again as we look uh, at the Scriptures to the book of Proverbs. Please uh, pray with me as we uh, seek the Lord's blessing on our time. And God, thank you. Uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you. Uh, for gathering of your church here today. I, I see so much potential in us, um, not because we are great, but when I think about you working in the midst of our lives, in the the families that are represented here today, the young people that may not even be married yet, and as I think about them uh, beginning a family on their own and having a young one and then that one being raised in a family that honors your word, that they might uh, be instructed. And what that would do in our world today, God, so often I I find myself hearing in the news and and seeing in our town and even in our church, I think about uh, the difficulties and the struggles and I get discouraged. And yet, Lord, uh, when I think through your word and I realize that you've given us uh, what we need, all that we need, God, I ask that you would bring that potential to fruition in us this morning. God, I pray for all of us as a church that we would have a culture here in this place where we love and treasure children and that uh, we look not to our own interest, but we see ourselves as a link in the generations as we are called to... um, Pass on the gospel from generation to generation. God, do your work in your church today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just a a word of where we're going from here. Uh, Probably next week, I'm still struggling through the order of this. Next week, we're going to be talking about those things that we must impart to our children. those, Those characteristics from the book of Proverbs. Those things that we must pass down to them. And then the following week, I want to talk to you all who are done parenting. Uh, I want to talk to you who have those, uh, those high school, college age, and even adults that are having children of their own. I want to talk to you all about your ongoing influence in the lives of your children. And so I, I just want to, for you to stay tuned in these next couple of weeks. Just to review, if you look over in Proverbs chapter 22... Uh, verse 15, we realized last week that uh, one of the foundational things that we need to know about children is this. It says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. That foolishness is bound up inside them. Um, and 
it's kind of interesting, that picture of bound up. It's the idea of that, that being restrained. And some of you are saying, well, as long as it stays bound up, we're okay. Um, it doesn't stay bound up. It leaks out here and there um, and continues to grow uh, as we see them grow to be adults. I, rem- I want to remind you uh, that children from the outset uh, have a heart that will reject wisdom. They have a heart that will disrespect their parents. Uh, they continue to be in danger of foolish friendships. They're ready to talk like a fool. They're not wanting the wisdom that comes from God's word. They will have a quick temper. They will be boastful. They will be proud. They will justify their sin. They will be self-centered. They will argue and quarrel. They will mock at sin. They will joke about the things that will kill them. They are stubborn, unreliable. They are lazy. They lie. They steal. They are foolish with money. They are attracted to immorality. They are attracted to drinking and gluttony. And you could just go on and on and on, couldn't you? Etc. This is what our children face as they are born and they are being raised in our home. These, uh, this sinful, foolish heart is like a thick chain wrapped around them that apart from God working in their life and uh, as, as part of God's intention that their parents would be a part of that process, uh, they will remain there uh, for the rest of their life and their foolishness will grow up into adult foolishness, which is much more ugly than childlike foolishness. This morning I want to focus on how do we remove foolishness from our children? How do we remove it? Um, if, you, if you want to start someplace, I want to encourage you with this one thing, first of all. Is that as I look through the book of Proverbs, and all these verses are going to point back to one place. And it is parents. It's parents. One place. I know as a parent, sometimes when I think of my children going someplace, they're heading off to school, I think of them being in sports and being on some particular team. I think about them, it's kind of scary. I just started something this last week. It kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't thinking it through. I hadn't planned on this. It just happened to me. Uh, my son Caleb got his driver's permit uh, this last week. <clears throat> Stay off Bear Valley Road is what I'm telling you. Um, and what I realized, it was overwhelming when I figured this out, that I think for the next nine years, I will be teaching someone to drive. And maybe by the end of that nine years, though, you know, I'll no longer drive personally, and I'll just turn the keys over and I'll... Yeah, maybe I'll just take a bike or walk or something like that. But as I think about this, so often I wonder about the influences in the world. And Proverbs talks about that, right? Uh, it, it talks about foolish friendships. Uh, the companion of fools comes to ruin. We, we know that to be true, but but I want to tell you that the your main concern as a parent is not their environment, not their influences from teachers and this world, but your number one concern is your influence on them. 
that you are taking your place as a parent in their life, that you remind yourself daily, I am the parent, I am the one that brings the primary influence in this home. I think so often we bemoan all the influences that are coming into our home and we forget the one thing, that God has given us the most powerful position in our home. And unless we step aside, unless we lay down when we should stand up, uh, we remain the most powerful people in our home. So who's going to have an impact on your child? I want you right here this morning to say, I'm going to have an impact on my child. I'm going to be the one that takes my role as a parent. You turn in your Bibles this morning. uh, I want to start in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. This role as parent, um, I look at this one particular verse and it it rings in my ear. As a father, I I think about this and I think, this is not what I need to be. I've got to guard against me leaving my children to themselves. Verse 15, chapter 29 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself Bring shame to his mother. I want you to hear that this morning. Left to himself. Left to himself. The, the, the picture here is this. That parents are involved. Primarily involved. They are hands on. They are interactive. They are uh, walking their children through life. And if they're not, they leave them to themselves. And the reality is, they don't just leave them to themselves, do they? They leave them open to the influence of everything else when they, when they step down instead of step up. When they don't take their role, they leave them to the influence of everything else. Um, I think about, somebody will talk about the television being a... a an influence, too too big of an influence on children today. I, I have a friend who, um, they didn't have any children. They just had a big English bulldog. Um, and they worked all day. They Both of them worked. And so before they would leave in the morning, uh, they would lay out a sheet on the, the sofa and they would turn on the cartoon network. And this dog would sit there all day um, and watch cartoons, and when they'd come home, the dog would still be slobbering on the couch uh, as they were watching uh, television. The, the reason that's okay for dogs is because they don't know what they're saying, okay? Uh, maybe if you take the intellect of this dog, maybe it's gone down by watching TV. I don't know. But that is not, that's the picture of leaving them to themselves. It's the idea of saying, go figure it out. Go explore. Go look for someone to take my place. Go, go out there and find some input. And, and I want you to get this picture, parents. Um, and I talked to a couple last week about, it's interesting in the scriptures, especially the book of Proverbs, it's, it's most of the time in these verses when kids grow up and they bring shame, who do they bring it to? Their mother, their mother. Breaks a mom's heart. 
Some of you are here this morning and you're a mama whose heart is broken because your children have walked away from the Lord. They continue to live in a, uh, a way that breaks your heart. I want to tell you, uh, you, you, you are maybe not married. Maybe you're just married yet. You don't have any children yet. Maybe you have young ones. There's a, a desire that you should have to stay at the task. And what it is, is for your benefit. I, I don't think this is a selfish thing. It's the idea that God has placed you with a window of opportunity with your children. And to say that this won't always be here. And to say this, that I desire to be with my children. I desire to be encouraging them while they are still listening. I desire to impart to them the discipline that they will need, the love that I can share with them so that this will be a lifetime, that they won't be those ones left to themselves. I want to tell you, uh, I want to give you another word this morning. It's to confront, to confront. Um, The picture here this morning will be one of confrontation. It will be uh, you as a parent confronting your children. Uh, It is... I want to throw another word next to it, which is the wrong word. Coaxing. Coaxing. We're not coaxing our children to a a good place. We are confronting them. Um, It it is not the idea. I I realize that, that, you know, remember that I'm right in there with you, right? Uh, My youngest daughter uh, is seven. I told you last week she was six because I wasn't thinking. Uh, But... um, I got corrected, believe me. Um, uh, my daughter's six, and we're in the midst of this in our home. Uh, you know what I meant. Don't listen to my words. Listen to my intentions. Uh, 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 the, the idea of coaxing, I, I realize how um, attractive that is that we would somehow work this spell as a parent and bring them to the place and, and try to win them over by some type of luring them, right? But the picture of Scripture is not that your child needs a little, come over here, hey, just a little bit, just for a little minute, come over. It's the idea of confrontation, that foolishness is not something that comes out with a little bit of coaxing. It's bound up in the heart of your child. This is the job description of parents, is that they would confront the rebelliousness and the stubbornness to God in the heart of your children. And and it's there. I, I know some of us, we struggle with that, especially when we have little ones because they look so cute. And the idea that they would be in full rebellion against all authority and specifically God, it's hard for us to get. But if they could communicate, and when they fully get to the point of communication, it's around middle school, okay? And so if you can apply that to uh, an infant, it's helpful to think this through. But those thoughts, those actions, they need to be confronted. They need to be confronted. They cannot be allowed to go on. I want to tell you, some of you are going to wonder uh, in the midst of this message. This message is in, from the book of Proverbs. Um, it comes 
Remember we talked about that right fear of God relationship, that the parents would have a right relationship with God, and then out of that they would parent. And you might say, you might look at this and say, well, what does this have to do with the gospel? I want to tell you what it has to do with the gospel for your children. The first step in them understanding the gospel is that they are a sinner. They are a sinner. And if you're unwilling to confront the sin in your home, in the the heart of your child, they'll never get it. If you talk in terms of oops, mistakes, and you never get to the place where you are guilty of sin, parents as well as children, they're never going to think that they truly need a Savior. That they truly need, that their sin is so serious that Jesus had to die on their behalf to pay the penalty for their sin, their offense against God. And so in this first step, it's the confrontation to identify their sin and to confront it, their rebellion and their stubbornness towards God. Parents, this is your job description. This is primary. This is primary. How do we confront it? We confront it with loving words and loving actions. As I read to you in 29, verse 15, it says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. We're going to use those two words. We're going to talk about both of them. You turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. I want, I want to share with you uh, and really camp on for a moment the idea of love. And... Uh, I want to tell you, the immature never get this. The immature never get this. And when I say immature, I'm mostly talking about those who are children. But if we never get it our entire life, um, we can grow uh, in age, in size, uh, in competency, and still be immature. When we believe that someone loves us, we think they just do everything that we want. If you love me, if you love me, you'll give me presents. If you love me, you'll agree with me every time. If you love me, you'll let me have my way when I want to have it. And if you don't love me, all these things won't be true. Have you ever heard a child say to their parents in the midst of discipline, you don't love me. You don't love me. That's immaturity because they're connecting discipline and parenting that will bring about for their benefit. They're connecting it with just getting what they want. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 portrays a love of a father to a son. Says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, as a father, the son in whom he delights. You understand that? There's love and discipline. It's most likely the idea of a superior love. It's a deeper love. It's more faithful. It's the idea that there's a love there that is so powerful that it's willing to put parameters and bring, bring discipline for their good. And this morning, as we talk about discipline, 
reproof and the rod. I want to encourage you that these are loving words and the loving rod. As the Lord loves us in his discipline, so we are to love our children when we discipline them. The, the picture here is this, that we confront our children and then we train them. We give them reproof and our desire is their correction. I want to say it this way this morning. We are to stand in the way of negative progress. If you can picture your children this morning that they are taking a wrong road every time they sin. And they're not just taking it, they're, they're, desiring, they're desiring to do this over and over again. What happens uh, to your children, and, and you know this, right? Uh, they do something once. That's the test, right? Hey, is this something that I can do again? When we stand back and don't confront, or if we uh, say empty words of threat, what happens? They go, oh, I guess I can do that again. I guess this road isn't all that bad. And we start, they start meandering down this road and other roads just like it. And what is a parent to do? Uh, that, that's a good question. Well, it's real simple. They're to stand in front of them on the road and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You say, well, that sounds pretty tough. It is pretty tough. Uh, as a parent, you need to be willing sometimes in a day to say no thousands of times and sometimes no to the very same thing thousands of times. It's the idea of having a resolve to say, son, daughter, I love you so much that I'm willing to stand on the road of your foolishness and say, no, you can't do it. Do you understand that you're... you're child is bound in foolishness. They're not bound in goodness, just waiting for it to come out. They're bound in foolishness. And as a child, especially, they have no self-control. They have no discipline that they would be able to handle this on their own. In fact, handling on their own, left to themselves, what will happen? Be ashamed of their mother, break their mom's heart. I always think about um, someone, uh, someone said to me one time that uh, they felt like it was their job to be the broom handle in the wheel of progress. You know what that is, right? Uh, the picture, uh, you know, you, you're riding your bike and someone comes along and they just stick the broom handle and you head over the handlebars and you realize that's dangerous, right? Don't try this at home. Um, I, I know that's dangerous as well. And, and the difficulty as a parent, you see them making that progress. You, you realize like it's going downhill. And, and many times you're going, ooh, it's going to be painful when I stop this train. But you have to understand that the bottom of the hill is far greater and far more dangerous to their, your child than being thrown off their bike right now. You are the broom handle. The, the other picture I think of is as a parent, and maybe I'll be doing this in the next couple of weeks, is to have your hand on the e-brake, right? And they're driving and you're going, uh, I'm going to verbally say this, but I'm also willing to yank that thing at any moment 
to stop the progress. I realized that I must be at the we- I, I must have my hand on that. I must, as a parent, be willing to do that. Because if I'm not, I'm allowing my child to head down to a place and a position where I know they cannot go. I know that it, it's unwise for them to go. Well, let's talk about reproof. Reproof. Taking these in reverse order. Um, just because it seems prudent. I don't know if it is, but anyways. What, what, your, uh, what reproof is, it's verbal, right? Uh, some would say it's a verbal scolding. Obviously, um, in the scripture, it's not this big negative thing that it is in our world today. But the idea here of reproof is clearly sharing with your child that they're going in the wrong direction. Going in the wrong direction. Um, I think sometimes parents, uh, they're so fearful of crushing the heart of their child that they're unwilling to say you're doing it wrong. Um, You think about art contests for little kids. Have you ever seen those? Uh, kids, you know, they're all got their sheet of paper and they're drawing and the boys are doing the brown where they just grab the brown crayon and they just kind of go like this a few times and they go, I'm done. And it's amazing to me that, uh, adults go, Oh, that's so beautiful. No, it's not. You need to work harder at this. You did it wrong. Oh, art is never wrong. Yes, it is. Okay, I don't mean to be the one to tell everyone this. Yes, it is. They're ugly things that people deem art that, that shouldn't be anywhere, anytime. Okay, hate to break that one to you. Maybe I'm the lone voice on this one. That's okay. What reproof is, is that your son or daughter is doing something that's dishonoring to the Lord. Okay, be real clear here. Um, Sometimes as parents, sometimes as parents, our own sense of right and wrong is offended. Not it doesn't have anything to do with the Lord. It has everything for us being God in our home. And we want to be in charge. We want to be the king and the queen. And, And so we want to make rules that have nothing to do with what God is about. But we are offended. What we're talking about in raising children is that you are watching your children in such a way that you want to establish in them a fear of God. That you want them to be the ones to eventually, remember we talked about last week, how we go from being totally dependent upon parents to being totally dependent upon God. And so you want to establish who God is in your home. And so as you see your children sinning, And going against, you stand there and verbally you say to them, that's wrong. That's wrong. God doesn't want you to do that. That that you bring God into the picture. This isn't just about mom or dad. This is about God's wishes for your life. Reproof. Your children will ask why. They're good at it too. Why? Why? And then sometimes if uh, you give them an answer, they just follow it up with, why? You know, they just keep asking the same question. And I want to give you the answer to that, okay? I want to give you the answer. Because God says so. 
There's nothing bigger than that, by the way. There's nothing bigger. The God who made you, my son or my daughter, the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who sent his son to die for you, he loves you that much. He says it's wrong. He says it's wrong. And so it's wrong for you. It's wrong for mom and dad. He says so. I want to talk to you about these verbal reproofs uh, that as we look at what that will mean in the life of your child, um, it really depends upon how they hear it. In verse uh, chapter 15, verses 31 and 32, and this is part of that process as well, as you reprove them, you also encourage them to listen to the reproof. To listen. Not just because you're the mom or the dad, but because it's good for them. Chapter 15, verse 31 says this, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Verse 32, it says this, Whoever ignores instructions despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Son, daughter, do you hate yourself? Do you hate yourself? Then why don't you listen? This is good for you. If you would learn today, it would be good for you. Skipping back a few pages to chapter 12, verse 1. Maybe clearer if you have a son. Maybe this would be... uh, clear for them to hear chapter 12 verse 1 whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but he who hates reproof is stupid okay it's in the english standard version any place you can find the word stupid and you could tell your son that it's good okay and 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 they'll get it right it's not it's not bad for dad or for mom we our hearts break alongside you son but do you realize that as you reject this reproof, that you're, you're acting dumb and stupid? It's, it's like you have no sense. Reproof is good for the one who will hear it. I want to encourage you about this, parents. This isn't just for us. These words of reproof, um, it's good for us as well, Right? When somebody gives us input and says to us, hey, you're doing it all wrong. You're you're messing this up. You're you're dishonoring the Lord in this area. We should go, I need to listen. I need to listen. This is reproof. This is good for me to hear. And as a parent, you can model that for your children. So that's reproof. Um, Now we move on to confronting our children with the loving rod Turn turn over to uh, chapter 22, verse 15. Some of you are about ready to build up your resistance against this. Don't do it. Okay? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives this far from him. Okay? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Um, I I remember as a child uh, being raised in the church and 
coming across this verse, even in my own reading of the book of Proverbs. And growing up in that construction home and, and hearing the word rod, what do you think of? Rebar, right? And this picture of like, oh no, rebar, that would, that would hurt. You don't know what rebar is, it's like this metal that you put in concrete and various other places to hold it together. And you go, oh no, not the rod. Uh, scripture uses the rod for various ways, uh, everything from a twig to a, a walking stick type thing. Uh, you think about in the Old Testament, the book of uh, Psalms chapter 23, it talks about the rod, right? And the comfort that the rod is to us, the rod and my staff that comfort me. As you look at this, um, it also talks about in Ezekiel as uh, the royal scepter that the king would use. I want to encourage you with this, that um, that. The rod is to be used in children. Uh, what is that? I, I know some people have, have desired so much to identify what that is. The whacker or uh, the spoon or uh, I don't know. It doesn't say what, what specifically. It doesn't have a picture of it in the scriptures. Okay, an inspired picture. Um, the rod is to be used. Some of you right now are saying, are you sure? Are you sure? You, you look to the scriptures and you go, I, I, I buy into everything else except for that. Maybe that's just a figurative that you have to kind of bring discipline that's somewhat painful but not physical. I don't believe that's true. You can read over the verses yourself. Um, some of you are saying right now, well, I read an article. I read an article that said that any kind of physical... Um, Connection with children with discipline is abuse. You may have read that. In fact, you can read a lot of them. A lot of them. If you want to go home this afternoon and, you know, discipline child abuse, boom, they're just going to come up one right after the other. All the experts, okay, all the experts would say no. Except for one. Except for one. God. God. You're still struggling and you're going, well, it just seems so ancient and so out of date and barbaric. You, uh, uh, you only have a few options here. I, I want to I line these out for you in your own mind. You've you got to play some tricks in your mind. Uh, first of all, you've got to look at Proverbs and you say, this isn't from God. This isn't from God. Uh, all the rest of the Bible, I believe in the inspiration that God's wrote a message to us. But somehow Proverbs didn't cut it. It really isn't God's word. I'll take the rest and exclude Proverbs. I wouldn't suggest you do that, okay? It's God's word. Let him speak. Let God speak. Some of you will say, well, uh, you know, uh, I, I just look at it and I, I don't want to break the, uh, my child's spirit. I, you know, we'll use terms like that. It just will break your child's spirit. Think about why the rod comes in, why the rod comes in. It's foolishness, right? Sinful things that come up, rebelliousness and stubbornness towards God. Why would you bring that up right there? You do want to break his spirit in those things. You don't want to say, yeah, 
I just want to pat you on the back, and I just want to encourage you in all the things that you're doing right now. I don't want to encourage my child in their foolishness. Some of you will even go to uh, the, the human author of the book of Proverbs, and you'll say, well, Solomon, what did he know? How did his kids turn out? Uh, you know, he must have had a lot of them, right? You know, do the math, you know, just taking the... Anyways, um, I, I want to encourage you with this. I, I, want, I want, want to uh, really cause you to think through what the Scripture says. Some of you are saying right now in your own mind, I love my children too much to spank them. I, I love my children too much. I, I want to say this as carefully as I possibly can, as lovingly to you as I possibly can. No, you don't. No, you don't. And the reason I'm so confident of that is not because of what I know. It's because of what God's Word says. Look over uh, with me to uh, chapter 13, verse 24. And I want you to stare at these words with me because I think they're uh, super important for us to think about what they mean. Verse 24 says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Okay? Read it again. Look down at it in your own Bible. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Uh, have you heard, spare the rod, spoil the child? Is that what this verse says? Look at it. Is that, is that a good summary of this verse? Spare the rod, spoil the child. I think it's much stronger than that. Look at what it says. I, I think that we, we equate, if you love your children, you will, not, you will not use the rod. You will not use the rod. What does it say? It says the complete opposite. It, it says this, who... Verse 24, whoever spares the rod, who, who doesn't use the rod, who, who will uh, neglect that, that part of it, what? Hates his son. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? That, that, that's, that, that's totally different than our culture thinks. But also says this, the one who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Diligent. The idea of being on it day in and day out. Uh, you all know this. Children are exhausting. 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 And you say, well, why are they so exhausting? It's real simple. It's real simple. It, 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 never, it never finishes. You're never done. There's not a sense where, you know, uh, if you tell them one thing, you, know, you, you have your little four or five-year-old there, and you tell them no, you explain to them why. You take all the time, you know, you're, you're going for the long explanation. You take 15 minutes, you set them down, and you say, this is really bad. God doesn't want you to do this. This is disobeying God's word. Da, 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 da. And I, I get there, okay, I go through that whole process. Whew, done. Five minutes later, they do the same thing. 
it, it, it's, it takes some discipline on our part and some diligence that just is exhausting. But if we love our children, that's what we'll do. We'll be on it. Not, not in perfection, but we will not give up. We will not give up. There's an old saying, uh, old Egyptian proverbs that says this, um, boys have their ears on their backsides. I found that to be uh, interesting, that um, this is the picture. We've already looked at uh, chapter 22, verse 15. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. If you turn over to Proverbs 23, Verse 13, verses 13 and 14, listen to this. It says this, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or from death. The picture here and, and the teaching is this, that foolishness deserves more than empty words. It's the rod and reproof. It's both. It's a combo. It's not uh, for every time, every situation. It's the idea that this is what God knows our children need. A few practical things I want to tell you right now, just in terms of you working this out. Um, this is this is not in the Word of God. This is my own as a father um, having to work this out. Um, there's a time limit on these things, a beginning time and an ending time, right? There's a sense in which uh, you shouldn't discipline uh, with any kind of touch or anything too early, right? When you don't know what's going on, there, there should be a sense of you withholding, right? Um, I, I remember very vividly w- one of our children um, was very young. I don't know how young. And um, they were crying and whining and carrying on. And I, I was, you know, I was this close, you know. And I go, uh, if you don't stop right now, it's time for a spanking. And there was this, this constant crying and I, I didn't know what to do and... Uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, give him a spanking. I gave up. It's probably because my mother-in-law was there, okay? Uh, I gave up, and I, I was like, oh. Well, I found out yesterday, the, the next day, we went to the doctor, and he had a double ear infection. His head was pounding. Ah, boy, would I have felt dumb then, right? There's a sense, right, that, that you've you got to be careful. Unless you know what's going on, uh, that, that, that's not it. So there's got to be a beginning age, two-ish, three-ish, four-ish, somewhere right there. Figure it out. Got to be an end date too, right? Um, Some of you are going, yeah, real simple. Once they get bigger than me, we should stop this, right? Uh, It does need to be. There's a transition in Proverbs, I want to tell you, between a child, a child, and a young man, a young man. In the scripture, in biblical times, it was somewhere around 
fourth, fifth, sixth grade in our culture today. And you say, well, our culture is not as good at that. And they probably aren't, but you know, that's where it is. So you've got to figure that out, okay? If you're taking your 11th grader, though they might need it, though they might need it and taking them out and giving them a spanking, it's probably inappropriate, okay? Um, you know what? I want to tell you this, though. Um, Proverbs also talks about that same rod uh, being for the back of fools, but it won't be, I want to tell you this, it won't be as a parent brings judgment, it will be out there in the world. Um, I always ask my kids uh, when they come home from school, jokingly, I say to them, did you beat anybody up at school? And they always carefully say, no, I didn't. And then I follow it up with, did anybody deserve it? Yes, there were a few and they list them off. It's interesting if we don't discipline our children and they don't learn restraint in the home, guess what happens out there? They get beat up. You know, why? It's appropriate. It's appropriate. You can't keep your mouth shut. You you deserve to get beat up. If you can't work hard and, and, and watch your tongue at work, guess what? You get fired. It's appropriate. And I want to encourage you parents that you have a window of opportunity with your children. Um, in chapter 13, verse 24, um, we already read this. It says, He who spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. I want to remind you, parents, this, that parental rage, parental rage is not biblical discipline. Okay? Very important for you to get this. If you're mad at your kid for doing something that offended you, and you go, now is the time for me to discipline him. I'm just following the Lord on this one. I want to encourage you with this. You are not following the Lord in your rage. You're not. And that will grow the bitter heart. You know, I just didn't want to make my dad mad. You know, I, I learned to stay, steer clear of him. That's, that, that's not what the Word of God teaches. It's the loving father. It's the loving mother who carefully, not recklessly, carefully disciplines their children. Why? For their good, not for our satisfaction or comfort. Uh, I want to encourage you with just a couple of book recommendations. I don't usually do this, but maybe... This will be helpful for you. Uh, two books. Um, there are probably others, but I don't read much, so these are the only two I know. Um, first one is Shepherding Your Child's Heart, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Um, you know, as with any book that I want to give to you, the only book that I really want to give to you is the Bible. Okay, uh, so in every other book, um, take what's good and reject what's bad. Filter it all through Scripture. Okay. Shepherding a Child's Heart. The second book um, is probably my favorite book on family. It's What is a Family by Edith Schaefer. Um, Fabulous book. And as part of that, she deals with um, disciplining children. And then uh, probably a greater resource to you all um, is to talk to other people in the church here. Uh, talk to some of the older folks and who've had to work this out before you. Um, 
Older folks who have already worked this out, and as people come to you, be careful what you say. Make sure it's from God and not just uh, old-timer stories, okay? Uh, well, when I was raising kids, most of the time you don't remember very well uh, when you were raising kids, um, but, but grab the Word of God and impart that. Give that down to that next generation. A few things uh, just quickly uh, as we close this morning. Things to remember. First of all, now is the time. Now is the time. We want to, uh, I, most of you know, I, we moved into this house on Bear Valley Road. And um, there's all kinds of cool trees on this property that have been planted. The one problem is uh, they've been let go to wherever they want to go. And some of these trees are just amazing, you know. They're, they're, they're just going everywhere. They're, and you can't do anything with them anymore. Uh, there was a sense in time where they were just this little twig, um, and they could have been adjusted to grow straight. They can no longer do that. Um, and so in your mind, you want to say to yourself, I have a tender twig before me. I don't want to wait till they're a knotty oak. Uh, to do something about this, because once you do, it's too late. It's too late. So now is the time. Uh, second thing I want to tell you, just to kind of cement these things in your mind, is this. Uh, temporary pain that leaves lasting lessons. That's what you want to do. Temporary pain that leaves lasting lessons. And thirdly, all this should be done in the fear of the Lord and in the grace of Jesus. All this should be done in the fear of the Lord and in the grace of Jesus. We have a relationship with him, parents. And you say, boy, this sounds complicated. It's not all that complicated. It's just hard. It's just hard. It's hard to separate your flesh out of it. It's hard to separate your pride and your selfishness. It's hard to do all that. So it has to come out of this relationship. And, it, and the thing that should drive you in all these things the grace of Jesus, that you have sinned, I have sinned, and that our kids need to know that. We need to remember that. We need to talk to our kids about our own sin. We need to talk to them about their sin, and that we want the grace of Jesus to cover our whole home from the youngest to the oldest. Let me pray for us. And God, thank you so much uh, for this day, uh, for the blessing of being with your people. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us in such a way um, that you would be honored, that you would uh, grow this church to be what it needs to be. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, glorify yourself in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you are dismissed.